Welcome to Conversations. This is Scott Galloway with L2. Today we're here with the recently retired EVP of Strategy and CMO of Williams-Sonoma. Did I get your titles right, Pat? Yes. Pat Connolly, a first ballot Hall of Famer in the world, especially retail. Pat, when did you join Williams-Sonoma? Uh, 1979. 79. You were right out of GSB at Stanford, is no, that right? I'd done a couple things before yeah. that, and uh, Williams-Sonoma was doing about four and a half million. Four and a half million? Breaking and- even. And what what were the revenues when you left? I think we were about somewhere between five and five three somewhere in there five point three billion something. Five, like that. There you go. That's a pretty decent run. So uh, let's start up retail. What do you think? You looking five year next five years? Thumbs up, thumbs down, sideways. What do you think of the state of retail right now? I think it's very competitive. One of the things that I have been able to see since I retired is really meeting a lot of different companies, different opportunities, and. I think you'll see a lot of consolidation, yep. and I think there's a constant disruption when you think about the, the formats. The country is overstored, yep. uh, and as we were talking earlier, capital's still pretty cheap, mm-hmm. So, and there are a number of people who, there's a lot of wealth transfer going on between VCs and shareholders and the consumer. Mm-hmm. So if Same you think, or what do you be, what do you mean by that? Well, transfer between VC consumers. Well, here's a great example is yep. in these all these home delivery services. Yep. You know whether it's uh, I mean there's a million of them, mini yep. bar and all these different ones. You know that'll on demand delivery. They're all losing ten to twenty dollars a delivery. Yeah. And they're being funded. You know, hoping that the scale gets there. And yeah. so I was, I was talking to a few people, and they said they encourage their friends to go out and use them all as quick as they can because they're not going to be around in a while. Yeah. So I think there's there's a lot of money chasing these ideas. So in the yeah. short term, you know, they look very attractive, and then all of a sudden the numbers don't quite don't yeah. quite work. Yeah, it feels Cosmo esque. Remember, you order a bottle of water, and they'd show up, and you think, okay, that that makes sense. Yeah, or right? web van. Yeah, that's right. And Fifteen years later now. Amazon is doing Amazon Fresh. You got Fresh Direct here, which I think mm-hmm. in New York City is apparently working. They've been at it for a long time. I don't know what their financials are, but you know it. it uh, that whole that whole world of retail on demand is 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 a tough one to make money. But it's somebody will probably figure it out. I'm not exactly sure how. What do you think of the pin that is that pops the bubble up? Because we've been saying that we're overstored, and it's you know we have five, five times the per, the square footage per consumer as Europe. It's clear we're overstored, but we've been clearly overstored for a long time. Do you think there's a catalyst that really starts the decline in the square footage? I don't know. I mean, I think what's happened is that growth has slowed. Mm -hmm. And so 10 years ago, if you weren't doing 10 comp, you were chump change, you know, and now- Up 10% a year. 10, yeah. 10% comp store sales, yeah. you know, yep. that we're doing, you know, they're doing 10 comp. Okay, that's pretty normal. We ought to be able to do that, you know, high high single digit, low mm-hmm. double digit comps. Now, if you can report low single digit comps, you're a hero. Yeah. And so it's, you're, you're, the growth has slowed and expenses haven't slowed. I mean, there's a lot of expenses been taken out. That's mainly how the earnings have happened. Yeah. And you look at, you know, the, the retail business is, is a pretty good cash generator. Yeah, through the depreciation and everything. So there's been a lot of stock uh, appreciation through stock buybacks and dividends, mm-hmm. and uh, but not a lot of growth. And we were talking about obviously Williams Sonoma, very big in the furniture business. Bigger, what's the bigger threat in furniture in terms of a disruptor? Is it a Wayfair? Is it Amazon? Or is it something else? 
Well, I think, you know, there are not a lot of great brands in furniture. Mm -hmm. So I think that if you can, uh, and we certainly present our brands very well, and I think the customer recognizes them. The key with the the furniture business is the the, the delivery experience and the Mm -hmm. last mile is key. And uh, over time, I think those who can master that efficiently so that you can get it from wherever it was made to the consumer's home within an hour or two of when they were expecting it, uh, and not have it returned or not have it uh, incur any damage, which there's a lot of places where it can get damaged in that whole mm-hmm. process, then you will be eventually the winner. Mm-hmm. Uh, that sounds like Amazon. Well, Amazon um, Am- Amazon looked at it and kind of backed away. Their model was to just drop it on your driveway. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think any big market, they're never going to, they'll, they'll go after it. Yeah, you know, at some point. I mean, there's nothing that they're not, they're selling 7% of all the apparel in the United States and 25% of the shoes. Mm-hmm. You think about a tough business direct, shoes are pretty tough. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know how they'll enter it, but, you know, brands, I think if you can establish a strong brand and with a definitive point of view, I think you'll do well. I remember uh, us hanging out in the in the 90s talking about digital and the internet and AOL and you were... You were early. You sort of saw God before more retail executives. I remember you and me going into uh, Howard, the CEO's office, and sounding a little bit crazy because at that time it felt crazy to be evangelizing the internet, and there was a lot of pushback. There was, well, it was Web 1.0 right. around 99, 2000. There were 1,100 startups in the Bay Area. Yeah. And as Ron Conway said, the big angel investor, we couldn't find enough rat holes to pour the money down. Right. And they all collapsed. And so Howard, who was CEO at the time, just didn't believe it. Yeah. And so it took a couple of years to get the company to launch the site. Mm-hmm. And you remember that very well. Mm-hmm. You, were very, you were involved in it. And uh, from then, we just took off and we grew it very deliberately. And and uh, we, were, we were actually profitable the first year. Mm-hmm. in e-commerce, which yeah. is, that doesn't happen very often. Did you guys ever think about, I mean, this was the 90s, did you guys ever think about spinning up? This was the era when everyone when everyone was getting, and to a certain extent we still are, $10 in the marketplace for every dollar of e-commerce sales versus kind of $1 to $2 now. Yeah. Did you guys ever think about spinning it off and doing a, you know, a WimpSnoma.com thing? Or There was just so many crazy ideas back we, then. There were a lot of financial ideas. Tracking mm-hmm. stocks were a big tracking one. Stocks, right. So we could do a, 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 a tracking stock on our e-commerce business. And we were pitched that idea, and Howard said, well, what does that do for my regular inve- mm-hmm. shareholders? So we didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've tried to do a... a, a a good job of communicating the strategy to analysts. I think one of the issues that a multi-chan that we had is that on the on the retail side, the analysts understand it now better than they did. But there were very few analysts who really understood digital, mm-hmm. and that most of the models that they build to an, analyze the value of the company were, you know, how many stores, what's the comp, how many can you open? Okay, I got it. This is the path. Mm-hmm. And digital was hard to build to build a model around. Um, on the other hand, when you talk to the digital analysts, to be honest, 
they didn't understand retail very well. Yeah. And you kind of buy something and you sell it. And the difference is called gross margin. And you yeah. want a lot of that. And you hope, you hope that it's positive, right? Yeah, you hope it's yeah, positive. Yeah, it's a good place so, to start. So, and the whole idea of, of customer acquisition and retention and, mm-hmm. and everything that are so common in the heritage of a, of a direct marketing catalog business. So that, that's been an issue in terms of we've worked very hard to try and help uh, the investment community understand, you know, what the underlying value of the company is. When you look at other specialty retailers outside of Williams-Sonoma, who do you think is killing it right now? Who who do you walk in and say, this impresses me, This these guys are going to be worth a lot more than they are right now in, in three to five years? Um, that's a tough question for me to, to answer right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, traditionally, when people have said, who do you, who do you think does a good job? Uh, I would always point to, say, Nordstrom, for example, mm-hmm. because... Uh, the family is invested. Their name's on the building. Mm-hmm. I, I, I know the principals or a couple of the principals there. They're in the stores every day. They, you know, they've grown up. They probably worked in it when they were in high school. They understand yeah. it. They undertook a very expansive digital strategy. Very aggressive. Very and aggressive. And, and they're at great at it. And they did this whole, you know, sort of distributed order management where mm-hmm. you could fill an order from any store and mm-hmm. made it happen. Acquisitions, and the whole bit. The whole thing. And yet even they are not sure. immune to uh, consumer buying cycles. The, I mean, there's this, one of, the, one of my board members always says the market dynamics trump performance. And I would argue that Nordstrom's is a great example of that. I think their yeah. performance is outstanding, but this department store format, multi-brand, large square foot print, does it survive? Or, you know, look at Macy's and Nordstrom. I, I would I would be Macy's in that. I think Macy's are outstanding operators. What Do you think these guys fight their way out or are they a shadow of themselves in five to ten years? Because it doesn't, right now, it doesn't look good for either of them. I, um, well, I don't like to comment on other companies. I know that we... Uh, You're I, no longer an exec. No, no, but I just... You know, You're no. free. The shackles no, I, are off. I wouldn't do that. But I, I think, you know, we used to, when we talk about, you know, the, the half-life of a specialty retail brand is maybe yeah. 15 years. Yeah. And so you've got to constantly refresh it and you've got to be very aware of what is changing and try and adapt to that, not too far ahead or else your core customer doesn't understand what's going on. But I know our... our Howard, who was the CEO for 30 years, would put up this slide at our store conference, and it was the, the names of 100 department stores that had gone mm-hmm. out of business. Well, let's talk, let's talk more generally then. The department store format, hugely challenged right now. Do you think, it gets, do you think this is a cyclical downturn, or do you think they're in structural decline that, that you don't see? I would argue structural decline. Structural decline. I right. mean, I just don't I, – I think – I think you always have to say, why would I go there? Mm-hmm. And there are stores that have uh, an experience component that you mm-hmm. want to go in, whether it's an REI or something like that, where they've got the climbing wall and you want to make sure the bike is fit just right. Or, mm-hmm. you know, the, uh, our cooking, our, our stores where you want to you want to get service and con- uh, and co- consultation and to make sure everything goes together in your home. But you have to have that service there for them. Mm-hmm. To come in and just can't even find anybody to help you check out. You've got all these private label brands that they've made up. No, mm-hmm. why would I do that? I can, you know, I can go online and get it. So let me paint a dystopian future in retail and you tell me where, where I got it wrong here. Amazon with their incredible execution, access to... The cheapest capital any company's had access to, so they can try ten things, yep. whereas everybody else can try one thing. Amazon Echo and households, 
people just decide, households one by one in the wealthiest urban areas, one by one just decide, I'm going all Amazon. I'm going to buy 30, 50, 80% of everything from Amazon. And using artificial intelligence, they automatically fulfill the things you want without you even asking for it. And slowly but surely, two-thirds of all retail goes out of business over the next 30 to 40 years. I believe that's what Jeff Bezos believes. That's his business. <laughs> that's his. Do you I mean, think it's realistic? Do you think? Do you think retail? I mean, it really feels like the the they are the empire, and that they just might win, and that they might literally they want to own all of it. IBM, remember in the seventies, how much market share do you want? We want all of it. And congressional yeah. testimony. That's feel. Amazon feels like the company that really wants all of it, and they could get there. Do you think it's possible? Well, they have. They make very big bets, mm-hmm. and uh, listening to Jeff Bezos speak at the Andreessen Conference this spring, they asked him, you know, how do you decide what to invest in, mm-hmm. what projects to undertake? Is it percent of success? He said, we don't look at that at all. We look at how big it could be if it was successful, and that's where we put our money. He mm-hmm. said, you know, it's a bad analogy. Everybody said you hit a home run. He said, that's really not a good analogy because the most you can get is four runs in mm-hmm. baseball. But in business, you can hit 2,000 runs if right. you hit it. Yeah. And his example was AWS, where there's every reason why that shouldn't have succeeded. Yeah, it made no sense. They, yeah. It made no sense. They'd never sold the businesses. A hundred million reasons why it wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. But they knew if they could get it to work, it could be huge. Mm-hmm. And it turns out it was. Uh, the drone thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, he actually is going to do drones. You, uh, no, I mean, you really buy that? You really he, believe drones are going to be delivering stuff to our house? Well, he said that the group working on it has more lawyers than software engineers. Right. And uh, I, uh, they, have, they give everything a seven-year uh, trial period. Right. Doesn't give up on stuff. And yeah. so who knows? I, I mean, he keeps talking about it and says they're going to do it. So I guess, I mean... So someone coming out of business school, you have kids, I have kids, mine are a little bit younger than yours. Do you think, would you tell them if they said, you know, dad, um, I've got a great start here. I'm intelligent. I'm hardworking. I'm credentialed. I want to go into retail. What, do you, good idea, bad idea? I'd pick the right company. So give me an example of the right companies. Uh, let's assume Amazon. I'm going to assume Amazon's one of them. What are the other right companies in retail? Well, I think brand, I think companies that have strong brands. Mm-hmm. And that are aware of change and willing to adapt to it, and mm-hmm. probably and most definitely have a strong multi-channel component. I mean, mm-hmm. I, uh, the, the pure play, the majority of goods, unless Jeff gets his way, the majority of goods are still going to be sold at stores. Now, how many stores we have, and where they're located, and how big they are, is another thing. But the majority is there. So if you can use the web to drive as significant online sales for people who want to shop online, Mm -hmm. and if you can develop a retail format that gives people a reason to come into the store. Mm -hmm. If there's no reason to come into the store, then why wouldn't I buy it on Amazon Mm -hmm. or online from Mm Williams-Sonoma? So I think those are the the criteria. But I I think for a, a conventional retailer... I think uh, that doesn't have that, um, unless you're a, a financial wizard who wants to look at mergers and acquisitions, I probably wouldn't go into retail. So you've been on the board of Williams-Sonoma a long time, seen a ton of leaders come and go, served on other boards. In terms of the skill set, the, the kind of temperament, are there any uh, attributes or skills you think you would encourage young people to really try and develop that you see as common features and people who 
just do well in a corporate environment? Are there certain attributes that you recognize in young people and think that person will likely be successful or any things they should avoid where you think this is a real bear trap? You know, I think the, um, the most underrated quality Mm-hmm. Uh, that people don't talk about very often is is persistence. Mm-hmm. And what, and from my perspective, um, the people there's you know it's the people who are not only smart and have a lot of energy, but can but are persistent. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it took us three years to convince the company to start a website for William Sonoma. Mm-hmm. What if we'd given up? Mm-hmm. Uh, the example I use is uh, Taylor. Well, the term S- they use is grit now, right? That's the hot word. Is that grit? grit? Well, grit, it, then it's yeah. grit. But you look at Taylor Swift, you know, who got turned down by every single label mm-hmm. on on in Nashville and uh, and went home and started writing songs, and now mm-hmm. she's the most popular recording artist in the world. And mm-hmm. uh, she could have easily, after being having absolutely heard no from everybody, mm-hmm. said, you know, maybe I'll just go to college and forget about it. And so I think the people who ultimately uh, do exceptionally well are those that mm-hmm. have that persistence or grit. I was listening to a, a panel that actually Laura was on with the uh, the founder of Airbnb, and it was mm-hmm. they they re- they reinvented that model four times mm-hmm. before they got it right. Mm-hmm. And uh, that takes a lot of uh, persistence. Yeah. So and I wanna... even in your career, I mean, I yeah. mean, everybody is going to have, you know, in every company you work for. You know, it, you're, you're going to have somebody who's not the best boss you've ever had, and not the worst boss you've ever had. And the figure is, and it's it's figuring out how to work with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I met a young lady who had actually been Anna Winter's assistant at one point, and I said, "That that's must, Anne Hathaway, isn't it?" <laughs> no, but this is a girl looked like her, and uh, and we were sharing the taxi to the airport as a family friend. And I said, uh, "That must have been tough." And she said, "Pat, they're all tough. It's good training." Yeah, that's the attitude you want. Yeah, so I want to end on a personal question. You're 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 a successful business person, but I I, I think of you as a successful person. You've been married for forty years, forty three, forty three years. Uh, you know, lovely woman, great partnership. You have two kids who seem to like you. You're hugely successful professionally. You run marathons. You got a full head of hair. <laughs> it seems you're a successful person. What you know? Do you have a code? Is it Something you got from your parents? Is it religion? Like, where do you have a guidebook for how you live your life? Or when you look at, okay, I, I've, I've had a rewarding life here. Is there anything you point to in terms of guidance that you would say, this has been a spine for my life? Well, I've been, um, I've always been kind of hungry. Mm hmm. Yeah. I mean, I got my. Where do first- you think you got that? From my parents, mm-hmm. and know. was it out of economic reality or something they instilled in you, or both? I think. I mean, mm-hmm. we were sort of middle class in Portland, mm-hmm. Oregon, and we weren't poor, but we certainly weren't well mm-hmm. off. And my parents both worked very, very hard, and mm-hmm. I had three jobs in college. and And uh, I think when I graduated from the business school, I must have had the biggest student loan in the school because mm-hmm. um, I didn't have any money, mm-hmm. and uh, so I always wanted to to be successful financially to provide for my family. I have a great wife Mm -hmm. who has always been supportive Mm -hmm. and that's, I think a life partner is key. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I had parents who instilled in me, uh, a pretty good work, a really good work ethic. Mm -hmm. So hunger work ethic and picking the right partner. I think a hunger work ethic is, you know, I was, uh, before I came over here, I was with, uh, Two young women starting this uh, new potato site, you know, mm-hmm. and 
I said, so uh, how many hours a day are you working on this? Mm-hmm. And they said, well, about 23 hours and 17 minutes a day. Mm-hmm. The other 43 are for sleep. And, uh, and uh, that's what it takes. Yeah. Yeah, no easy, no easy route. Yeah, you know that. Yeah, yeah, I trust. Yeah, yeah, I have the, I have the, I have the bags under my eyes and the stress to, to, to validate it. Pat Connolly, now, now you, you have no title, just, just, just business person extraordinaire, angel no, investor. I, I think that's very overrated. I've been very fortunate. I mean, yeah. I've been so lucky to work with the team at William Sonoma over the years. It's just, a, I mean, that's the one thing I, re- you know, sort of miss about retiring is that there's just a wonderful group of people there mm-hmm. who actually, and that's it. If you're going to go to work for a retail company, go to work for a retail company where the people really, really care about the product and about the customer. Mm-hmm. And if they do that and they're forward thinking, then that, that, that'll be one that survives. Good stuff. Thanks for your time, Pat. Thanks a lot for having me. That's it for us. Brett Murphy is our engineer. Our producer is Zach Dinerstein, and Catherine Dillon is L2's creative director. Please subscribe to the show, and if you like what you've heard, go to iTunes and leave us a comment or review. It's a great way for new listeners to find us. Thanks for listening, and we'll speak to you soon. Hey, 